would you say are some of the easier ways you found in trying to learn those skills? You've got to do it. You've just got to just do it. Just start. Just mess around. Just try. Write a shit webinar. Write some shit copy and just do it. And then maybe get feedback, you know, send it to a, hire a, a copywriting coach or something. Say, just what's wrong with it? This is all wrong. Just try again. People just don't realize you spend 10, 20 hours, you can pretty much learn anything and most people just don't start. You know, I thought if everybody is, you know, buying Bitcoin, I'm not gonna buy it. If everybody is doing thumbnails, I won't do any thumbnail. If everybody's doing heavy editing, I won't do any editing. If everybody's doing low ticket groups, I will do high ticket. If everyone does high ticket, I'll go low ticket. It, I, I really believe that that works. In, in all the instances that I've ever thoughtfully done the opposite, it's always worked very well. So that's a strategy, I guess. And it's as harsh as it sounds. The guy who hasn't got a partner and is like, like you were, like fucking just watch work all day, watch business shit, drink a bit, eat some takeaway, and then repeat for fucking a year. Yeah. Like, you got nothing else to fucking attract. And I actually quite like Alex Becker used to post videos and he had like an apartment with nothing in it. And so I got nothing else to do other than just fucking sit at this desk. Because, like, what, what else am I going to do, right? The bigger people's businesses get, it's like, yeah, just change that, change that. And it's like, and the business 3X is because you told them to do two things. It's so easy at that point, it's wild. Bro, yeah, 100%. Man, I had this client join me about um, two weeks ago. He bought the program. Well, about 14 days, he came on a call, 122 grand in sales with this offer that I'd shown him how to build. And he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm done now, man. You know, I, you've, I, that's more than I could have ever asked for. So I don't really need any more help for now. I feel like I'm about to have a consultation to finally get uh, the best physique of, of my life, which I need, I bloody need. Well, it is called the Physically Jacked Financial Stack Podcast, so oh, bloody uh, we can work on the jacked part, you've got the financial stack <laughs> part, so uh, today, huge pleasure to have Mr. Will Brown here. So Will, you've got an awesome story in terms of you selling and exiting your business, which I think is something very rare that very few people have done. What would you say, if you looked back at where you were when you were maybe five, six years ago. Do you think this is something you possibly could have done? Did you start with the end in mind with that business? No, basically no. So the business started by, by accident. I was saying this in a YouTube video recently. So one day somebody asked me uh, for, for help, basically. They, they said they'd been following me online. Uh, they, they could see that I was doing well. And could they pay me 50 pounds to come to my house for two hours and just sit next to me and take notes, basically. Uh, so that was the start of the e-learning company, the un, un, unsuspecting start. And then this guy kind of made a few notes whilst he was with me and took it away with him. And then I just thought, could I resell those notes to, to anybody else for 50 pounds as well? And a few people bought it. So that was kind of how things started. But I could never, I mean, you know what? I'll never forget. I was in my parents' spare room, writing in uh, one of my journals at the time, because I've been journaling for years. And I wrote down, how much would you have to make per month to make a million in a year? Right, and it's like you know, 83.3K or something like that. And I distinctly remember thinking, how, how the fuck can I, can I make that? Like, that's impossible. How can you make 83 fucking grand in a month? I was like, that's, I'm never, that's impossible, you know, but, but I did it nonetheless. So I was, I never thought that this would all happen, man. It's just, it's just mind blowing, you know, to, to be here now. But you just learn step by step, you know, like I worked with that guy and then I just thought, I wonder if anyone else will buy it. And then a few people did. 
And then they started giving me feedback, like, oh, can we put this in the little Word document? And can we, what's, can you answer this question? Then it turned into like an ebook, kind of a four or five, six page uh, PDF. Then into a Dropbox folder of videos with the files. And I just slowly would raise the price along the way. And the rest is just, just history. You know, you just, you just learn along the way, don't you really? Uh, so. It's a good question. What's your opinion on business plans? Well, ah, oh, yes. I'm more, so in, in my old company that I just sold, right, our sales team manager was basically a co-CEO to, to me. And we're, we were so different. I'm, when I get an idea, I just want to do it right now. Let's just go and figure it out and I'll, I'll make a mess and clean it up later. And he was more, don't do anything. Let's think, let's plan Let's do the numbers. Let's, you know, project forwards. So we were polar opposites and it worked very well because I would be like, Go in, let's do this right now. I'd be like, no, wait, no, wait, wait, wait. I think we should do this. I'm like, oh shit, that's actually a better idea. Yeah, we'll do that. And it's nice to have a, have a partner like that. And he was basically my live business plan almost. So, so big shout to Alex. But I, I'm very big on tracking, right? So I track, you know, my... Uh, my weight, fitness, net worth, all, you know, uh, uh, YouTube metrics and sales metrics and revenue and, and whatever else. But business plans, I've never, I've never made one. Yeah, so. And, and I'm so glad you said that because I think too many people get, like, we've got similar personalities, I just want to fucking do it. And too many people get stuck in the planning phase but never actually do the doing. And like, for me, yeah. like the whole mastermind, we do the seven big selling systems. I sat in Marina Gate through the pen and paper for 20 minutes and like, off we go. Like, that was it. Exactly. And no, dude, someone commented on my YouTube a couple of days ago and he said, because in, in my journey, right, I'd made about a quarter of a million pounds before I knew what a sales funnel was, what an ad was, what cold outreach was, anything. And this guy commented and he said, I can't believe you made a quarter of a million without knowing anything. And I've spent years learning everything and never done anything. You know, and he was like, I have all the knowledge, but none of the money. And you had all the money and none of the knowledge. And I was like, I just, I, I just replied and I said, I just take action and just do stuff and figure it out along the way. And I think that, I don't know where I got that quality from, but I've always done that. So I think it's, it's served me well. So. Looking back retrospectively, I think one of the things I find is like, one of the best questions anyone can ask a mentor is like, what do I believe to be true that isn't? And mentors often open your eyes to things that are really obvious that in front of you that you don't see. What were the moments you maybe had like that when, whilst building your business? Yeah, yeah. Well, there was, a, there was a very obvious key one. So December 2019, I saw a YouTube ad from this guy, Alex Becker. Do you know, do you know who Alex yeah, Becker yeah, is? Yeah. yeah, I had a sales call with him with Hi-Rex, actually. I bought that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I saw this ad from him, and he was talking about sales funnels. I didn't know what that was. Uh, a webinar which I didn't know what that was, and YouTube ads. And I kind of knew what they were, but not how to do them. And he basically, he sold me on, I think the ad was something like, if you've got a program and you're selling something, but not at a high level and you're not using ads, you're missing out on, you know, on, on a lot of money. So I bought his Iron Mastermind, learned to run YouTube ads and, and build a webinar and a VSL and, and blah, blah, blah. And we went from like 250 a year to about 1.3 million the, the following year. So we, we 4X the company. And it still to this day blows my mind. I'm, I f thank God I saw that ad because who the hell knows? I mean, I just can't imagine. If I didn't see that ad, 
fuck, I might not even be here today. So, you know, you don't know what you don't know. I just didn't know that bit of knowledge. And literally within about four weeks, I'd built a webinar, I'd built a funnel, I'd written ads. And I was spending like a grand and making like a 12, 15x ROI on, on cash and 4x the business just because of that knowledge that I didn't know, you know? You have obviously learned all these skills. A lot of people are like, oh, I don't know how to write, make a VSL. I don't know how to write copy. What would you say are some of the easier ways you found in trying to learn those skills? Because one of the bigger things that I, biggest things I feel is that people just don't realize you spend 10, 20 hours, you can pretty much learn anything and most people just don't start. You've got to do it. You've just got to just, just do it. Just start. Just mess around. Just try. You know, just write a shit webinar write some shit copy and just do it and then maybe get feedback, you know, send it to a, hire a, a copywriting coach or something say, just what's wrong with it? This is all wrong. Just try again. Now what's wrong with it? And this is wrong. Try again, you know, and that is the best thing that you can do. So if you want to learn to write webinars, just write a shit webinar right now and then go to a coach or, or, or someone and just get some feedback and just slowly iterate. The same for copy, the same for VSLs, the same for sales calls. You know, you can give someone a great script, but you're, you're not going to be good when you start. You just got to do calls, man. You know, just two calls and, and you will get better. It's like the gym, it's like reps. It's like the gym. Yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know much about that, yeah. as you can probably you tell. Can get but, yeah. get um, that brings me to a really good point. What do you feel, like I feel paid advertising has changed a lot. What do you feel, and obviously it's slightly different depending on what um, sector niche you're in. What do you feel is the best lead generation strategy on pay traffic in 2024? Lead generation on traffic. On, on paid. On so paid if you're looking traffic. for client acquisition via paid ads, would you say like VSL, messenger funnels? Uh, what would you say? It depends on the goal and the assets. You know, so, I mean, one thing that I'm about to do, I'm writing a book and I'm going to do a book funnel. So I'm going to run ads to a written sales page to sell the book for like seven, eight, nine dollars then push them through to like a sales call to sell the, the high ticket. And I think that is just very succinct because straight away you're giving them massive value in a book for a very low price. So the value exchange is awesome. And if they like it, they just come straight into the high ticket because they're warm to hot. So I think that's really a solid model if, if you want to do a book. Um, it still works to go just add to an opt-in to a VSL to a sales call. The only problem is you're excluding all the people that they need more than that. So you do lose those people, but equally you can pick it back up through retargeting and maybe a lead magnet or something. So it just depends what assets have you got, how much money have you got, how much time have you got? But I mean, let's use me as an example. So I think the best way to do it is through like a book funnel right now, if you've, if, if you've got a book and if not, just do a VSL funnel. You can do, 50k a month, 100k a month, no problem with a with a VSL funnel alone. So it just depends on your goal. And what do you think is the best platform for that? You, obviously, you ran mainly your business on YouTube ads. Yeah, so we we grew the business through um, YouTube ads into a click funnels sales funnel sales process. Uh, we sold the program through this website called Podia, which just like hosts an online course in a community, and just the standard tech stack really, Zoom, Calendly. You know, that, that kind of thing. So what, I mean, I, I'm not sure what you use, but I think um, YouTube ads for us are the best, I, I dare say, because when people are on Facebook, they're not really in 
buying mode. They're not really in consumer mode. They're in more looking what my friends are doing and just stuff like that. But on YouTube, they're in consumer mode. They want to watch. They want to learn. They're looking for value. So when they see an ad, it's just more appropriate on, on YouTube. And if you're sending them to a VSL, well, they already want to watch a video because they're on YouTube. So you're really not going far off the mark. So YouTube makes more sense for that reason in most cases compared to, you know, bloody TikTok, 16-year-old girls and shit. I, I, I don't know. But yeah, let's, let's leave that one over there. But what, what do you use, man? I mean, do you uh, use... So we primarily use for fitness, Instagram and Facebook Messenger ads. Mm. So we get people into conversations and warm them up and the cost per lead is very low so we can scale that. Uh, on a fitness aspect, on the B2B, we run ads again on Facebook to uh, an opt-in to then we dial them. So many people who watch this have probably been called by us. And if you'd like to be called by us, opt-in to the 40 <laughs> course below and we'll call you. Um, and that's very good for us because there's not many people who are doing that now. It's almost a bit old school. Um, mm. And we do other similar strategies with LinkedIn on fit, fitness in terms of like dialing uh, outbound. So I think on fitness, we found that the VSLs are quite hard to convert. Whereas if we can get people into conversations and talk about pain points and stuff, people open up a little bit more. Mm. I, I have a feeling my gut instinct, we haven't done it yet, is that on the B2B side, though, the VSLs probably work better. Yeah, it just depends on the, what they've seen. I mean, one thing that I'm finding at the moment, YouTube seem, seems to be getting me like 50, 60, 70 followers a day on Instagram. So they're clearly coming from YouTube because there's nowhere else to come from. And because they've seen a video, they're already fairly warm and a lot of people will message me and uh, they'll voice note me. You know, I had, I had a couple of messages today and they would just voice note me, hey Will, I've got a digital market agency and I'm thinking of doing this thing and blah, blah, blah. Can you help? So that seems to be working well. It's just like YouTube organic and just letting them find you and message you kind of thing. But yeah. I think, here's a good question. What do you think is the... Do you think the importance of personal brand and content is increasing with the way, in my opinion, the cost for paid ads is gonna keep going up? And I think it's gonna become a brand game for the individuals involved. Oh yeah, oh yeah. This is one thing that I've learned because in the old company, I didn't have any brand. I didn't have a YouTube channel for me personally. I didn't even have an Instagram or, or, or a Twitter or anything, no personal brand. And we did well but it was just because everything was so optimized. The ads were very optimized, the funnel was, the closers were dialed in. So we made it work, but it wasn't easy to make it work. We had to put a lot of effort in to make it work. And the calls would close at like 24, 5%, right? So cold traffic through a sales process and they close at that. Now what I'm finding now with the personal brand is I closed the calls, my last 100 calls, I've closed them at about 52%, right? So way, 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 way higher. The leads are way warmer because they do their research on you first. You know, people, if they find one YouTube video, they almost certainly watch more. Then they Google you. Then they look at your Instagram. You do like the personal brand roulette almost, right? Yeah, it's just a game changer. And people, it's just, I wish that I did this earlier, you know? Your YouTube has obviously grown a huge amount recently. What, other than the value you give to your audience, and everyone if you haven't, go check out Will's YouTube channel. Um, what do you put that down to? Consistency of just constantly turning up or the value you give or any special hacks? I knew you'd ask me this. Yeah. Dude, I, I, this is gonna, this is a terrible Because your videos answer. don't even have thumbnails, which is even better. Yeah, it's just, I, I, honestly, dude, like, 
people keep asking this. A quite a big YouTuber reached out a few days ago, and he was like, you know, hey man, what, what are you doing right now? You know, it was almost like, what? You should know more than me, but I don't have any strategy, man. Like, well, my strategy is just be real and honest and just make good, what I think are good videos. Like, no bullshit, no fancy fucking thumbnails and shit. I just think of a title through the week. I just let a title come to me when I'm on a walk or I'm reading or having a cigar or something. And then when I decide on the title, I just go in the office, press record, talk until I'm done talking, and just schedule it for, for, for Sunday at 6 p.m. So that's my only, I, I don't really have any strategy. I don't have a plan. I don't know what I'm doing for this Sunday's video. I haven't even thought about it yet. So it's like the anti-strategy strategy, almost. But I think that's good in some respects because it's raw and authentic, which is actually probably the big thing that most social media isn't now. So it's so like overly manufactured bullshit that so many people see through now, I think. Yeah, it's just, I mean, well, look, one thing that I learned from one of my mentors, uh, this guy, Sam Ovens, he would always do the opposite. And when he first told me that, I've never forgot that. You know, I thought if everybody is, you know, buying Bitcoin, I'm not going to buy it. If everybody is doing thumbnails, I won't do any thumbnail. If everybody's doing heavy editing, I won't do any editing. If everybody's doing low ticket groups, I will do high ticket. If everyone does high ticket, I'll go low ticket. It, I, I really believe that that works. In, in all the instances that I've ever thoughtfully done the opposite, it's always worked very well. So that's a strategy, I guess. You mentioned Sam Ovens as one of your mentors there and also Alex Becker. What are the, say for example, if you look at Alex, he's achieved a huge amount of things. What would you say is the biggest things you learned from Alex? Copywriting, YouTube ads, building sales processes, and the importance of product. And I kind of learned that from Sam as well. So this, the program that I sell now, I built it across two years and it's just so deep. It's I truly, 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 truly believe like it's a great, great, great product. And I think it can do you a lot of favors because for the first, the last year and a half of no brand, the business coaching I've been doing has all been word of mouth. So my first ever client was at a mastermind and the owner of the mastermind was telling a story about me. And then he reached out for, for coaching. And ever since then, it's all been word of mouth up to recently. Um, so it's just, you. it has to be good or else no one's going to, say anything or they ain't going to say good things so yeah th those are the things that, that are the most important learnings for sure I don't know if you find this is true because I've definitely found it once I've started teaching other people to run a business you learn a lot from coaching other people and I get so many ideas for speaking to other people I'm like that's a really fucking smart idea why don't very, I do that as well very oh yeah I've, I've had that a few times recently where uh, a, co a brand new client has had an idea and I was like Shit, that's a really fucking good idea, man. Yeah, you should definitely do that. So it's it's a great thing about about coaching. You know, it's a it's a great thing to do, man. You you're forced to grow, you because you've got to keep learning. You've got to stay on your toes, and it's if you do what you teach, it's a great flywheel. You know, because as you're learning, you can then give them more value. 100%. They learn and teach you shit. I should stop swearing. I shouldn't swear. You swear as much as I like. It's why I like podcasts you do everyone. Oh, yeah. So it's, if, if you are actively doing 
you know, I mean, I've just done a module for the training about YouTube now, and I've shared the few things that I've learned as I'm learning it, you know. Um, so it's just great, man. I love it. The influence, I think, of coaches and mentors, a lot of people are very skeptical of. And I think even, for example, when I first started my business, if I told my mum and dad that I was like, I paid this person X amount of money, they'd be like, what is wrong with you? Mm. And I think that's a very much a British mentality. Is that something you had to overcome in terms of like a mindset shift? Because me, the other way now, it's like, I'm literally on the search of who's the next person I can throw money at to solve my next problem, if that makes sense. Definitely, man, definitely. It's funny, I sometimes think, how did I have the balls to give Alex Becker eight grand back, back then when you know, I wasn't making that much money? And I think that was by far the most expensive thing I'd ever bought, down from like a financed car. You know? But that's, it, it's definitely a British thing. I mean, one guy that came to my mastermind recently, 15,000 pounds for, for, for a ticket for just the weekend, just the three days, nothing else. And he said a few of his buddies were like, that is a lot of money. Like, what are you doing? You know, that 15 grand for a weekend with this guy and some other, you know, entrepreneurs. So people, people are like that. But usually the people that are against it or that fear it are typically broke. And the people that spend all the money on coaching are typically quite, quite rich and successful and wealthy. You know, I don't, I don't know anyone that is successful and has never at least been in like a mastermind or bought a good program. I don't, I don't know anyone. I actually agree with 100%. I'm trying to think now and I can't think of anyone. I can't think of anyone, honestly. And I mean, that actually is more of a statement than probably anything else. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I first moved to Dubai, I only knew two or three people. Uh, it's like James Blackwell, Iman Gadzi, Stefan Graf. And I met them all from Sam Oven's mastermind. So when I moved here, I would post in the mastermind and be like, hey, is anyone else in Dubai? And then they would say, we're here. And then you make your friends from it. But you also come to realize these are the high level people that are in these masterminds that are out here that are doing great things. And it all feeds back to the masterminds and the, and the coaches, you know. And the network. And I think for me, that's one of the reasons why I moved here is because I wanted to put myself in a, a scenario where it's like we live in the same building. It's like, do you want to do a podcast? Cool. Like, I'll come up 20 floors. Yeah. Like, done. Yeah. Like, it's pretty easy then to network and really push yourself ahead really quickly because it's such an efficient lifestyle and I think too many people are afraid to make that big jump and I don't think I've ever seen anyone be super successful who's stayed in the hometown where they were born right never never yeah I was I was thinking about this recently because one of my uh, buddies from when I was younger we were very similar for many years like I started a business he started a business but there was just two differences between us one I moved to Dubai and he moved to like Scotland. And two, we both wanted to be very successful in business, but he never bought any coaching or masterminds. I did buy coaching and masterminds. And we uh, had a call together again recently and we were talking about how we've ended up so different. And it was, we could only put our finger on those two things. You know, I moved to Dubai and got this great education from massive people. And he moved to Glasgow and didn't get any education from these massive people. You know, so it's quite interesting to track the decisions of, of you know, I mean, me or you or any successful person and just what are the key decisions, the really big decisions, you know, that they've made. And it's so interesting to see how that is what gets people massive success or not. So. 
And that's what I call like an inflection point, where like you make one big decision that changes yeah. everything. So like moving to Dubai or I don't know, hiring a mentor that's really expensive or whatever it is. And so I think the way I look at things is you win or you learn. Like I've spent a lot of money on mentors. Like True. 90% of the time it's been like wildly profitable once or twice. It didn't really work. By the time it didn't really work, I still actually learned a lot and got my money's worth. Yeah. So I think a lot of people don't look at the bigger picture of what did you learn from that as well. Definitely. Definitely. You've got to have that attitude. I mean, again, I like to just mess around and make mistakes and then clean up later, you know. What would you say how your mindset has shifted over the last few years? Because from Will, who used to do DJing in Fabric in London, to Will, who now lives in Dubai and sold his business, yeah. how has your mindset, so sorry, mindset, mindset, mindset <laughs> uh, developed over the years? Because I have the opinion that almost like, I feel personally I reinvent myself almost every two to three years through like mm. continual learning and development and trying to get better. Yeah, I, I've always been, I'm not sure whether you've read, there's a story on my website, I like document every entrepreneurial thing that I've ever done from young on, onwards. And I've always very strangely liked to, to make products and start businesses. I don't know where I get that from, but you know, from, I used to skateboard when I was young, but instead of just skateboarding, I would make skateboard videos and design the covers and try and sell them. And then when I got into graffiti, instead of just writing graffiti, I would like, I started a magazine and I would take pictures of all me and my buddies' work and other writers that we met. And I, I made, designed the magazine, took the pictures, wrote the copy and tried to sell it. Um, and then music was the next thing that I did. And instead of just DJing, like my buddies used to do, I wanted to make music and try and get signed and try and get bookings and make it a business. So for some reason, like ever since I was young, I just don't like doing things. I like starting things and building things. And every passion that I've ever had, I've turned it into a business almost by accident. And I only realized more recently, like when I, when I wrote that for my website, I was like, oh shit, like that was accidentally a business and that was accidentally a business. And then I made music a business. And along the way, I've just learned little bits like when I was a musician, I used to track like my bookings and what the booking fees were and what countries would pay the best and what clubs would pay the best and how much money I made from like that release and, and that release. And that was vinyl and that was only digital. That one I made more from, blah, blah, blah. So, and then when I started trading, that had a massive benefit because I was already doing data stuff and, and, and building things. So that fed into that. And then obviously that thing happened with the guy that asked me to help him, which led to me accidentally making the product. And then it all started again. So I don't know, man. To, to answer your question, my mindset, I've always been just very kind of stupidly daring. Like I've always just had this attitude of, I, I can figure it out. I can, surely I can do it. With enough time and messing around, surely I can figure it out. And bigger things like starting a big business, hiring a big team, scaling very far. I think my naivety, I was going to say stupidity, but it's more, more maybe a bit of stupidity and a bit of naivety. I've just thought, I can figure it out eventually, you know, and that's led to figuring it out. And then here we are today. So if I had to give someone some advice, be more stupid, be more naive and invest in great course, uh, courses and coaches and mentors and just figure it out, you know. It's a step-by-step, step, right? Exactly. It's just step-by-step, step, isn't it? One of the things I know the audience would be fascinated to listen to is obviously you had huge success in building your previous uh, e-learning business. 
what did your daily routine look like then? Because I know a lot of people obsess about that with entrepreneurs. Like, I get up at fucking 5am and I do a red light therapy and I do an ice bath and I sing Kumbaya. Like, what, 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 did, you, what did you do? <laughs> you do not want to... As someone who's very physically fit and I imagine your diet's very good and all that stuff. Reasonably, but... You, you don't want to know. So, man... I like stimulants and nootropics and loads of fucking brain drugs and stuff like that. So I'm into that stuff. Yeah. Honestly, when, when my business started doing fairly well... I moved out of my parents' house and I got a little one-bed apartment in Manchester. And this was, I think it was either just after or just before I bought Alex Becker's thing and the business started doing super well. But for that year and a half that I lived in Manchester, all that I did was I would wake up at, um, and we were running a webinar at this stage, so no sales team and it was all automated. So there's no really, apart from support and a bit of, with the team there wasn't much to do apart from just refining the data refining the product refining the webinar refining the ads so I used to get up at 9 10 a.m maybe 11 a.m I would just go straight to work I'd work all day to god 7 8 9 sometimes 10 p.m and then I would just watch business documentary CEO interviews on YouTube read books drink drink alcohol for two, three hours, have a takeaway and go to bed. And I would, and this was during COVID. So honestly, man, I did that like seven days a week. Every day, wake up, work all day, have some drinks, watch CEO interviews, business documentaries, finance shit, read some books, go to bed. Wake up, work all day, have just, yeah. just every day, just, just that's it. I think um, a lot of people don't understand like what I really like you said there was the CEO interviews and watching business stuff because mm. we are so lucky now that we can access like the smartest people in the world's information. Mm. Like at click your fingertips, you've got it. Yeah. I think not enough people are taking advantage of that. Yeah, I think if you spoke to anybody that knows me, they're, you know, like my mum and dad when I go home, my brother when I'm around my brother, my girlfriend when I'm, I'm around her at night, all that I do when I'm not working is, is, is learn. So if I sit down to put something on TV now, it will be, uh, if there's a new podcast from Sam Ovens or Alex Becker or Cole Gordon or whoever, I'll watch that. And if there's no new podcasts, I'll like watch a CEO interview or some kind of business documentary or finance documentary. Or if there's nothing that I want to watch, I'll, I'm always reading a book. I'm reading the John Rockefeller letters that he wrote to his son at the moment, which is amazing. So I never, I'm either working or learning. And that's it. I'm either sleeping, working, or learning at all times. Barely anything else at all, full-time. One thing I think is really important for people to, for their business to grow rapidly is to focus on the right thing at the right time. How have you done that? Well, there's always a bottleneck. There's always one major bottleneck in any, any business. There's always one thing that needs to be fixed right now. And... I just always fix that, you know. I mean, like, my, my bottleneck right now is YouTube is booking us too many calls that our calendar is, is full too far out, so I've just had to hire another rep. And that was a, that was a bottleneck. Now that's solved, the next bottleneck is now training the new rep and, and getting him good enough. When that's solved, it's going to either be more content to fuel the reps or it's going to be re, repricing things or whatever. There's always a, a next thing that you've got to do in, in your business. And I'd love to know what maybe your bottleneck is right now in, in, in what you're doing. But you've just got to, you fix one and then there's another. And then you fix that and then there's another and you fix that. And as you undo each bottleneck, 
you get further and you get bigger and you get better. So I think that's, that's the whole process. I agree. I think, um, say in the fitness industry, one of the big things I see straight away is a lot of people think lead generation is an issue, but it's not in sales. A lot of them are terrible at sales and they undersell the price and that's why they never make any money. And mm. I think that's where a lot of people listening to this, everyone thinks like we need better high quality leads, like yes to a degree, but a lot of the time they're not getting what they should out of what's coming through. Definitely. Yeah, well, one, thing, one big thing that I'm seeing at the moment is closers have a script that doesn't remove objections. That's one, one big, big thing that I've seen recently, which is such an easy thing to fix. And when you fix that, you instantly close more people, you instantly make more sales, and you make more money. That's a, that's a big bottleneck. Um, the lead complaint is a funny one, man. It's so easy to get leads. You know, the hard part is conveying value and getting them closed. At, and the LTV side of things as well. Because if you're selling something cheap, you might as well not fucking sell it, man. Oh. Fuck me. Just charge. Or either charge appropriately on the front end, or don't, and that's okay, but stretch the LTV on the back end and do a mastermind, do a, some kind of upsell, do one-to-one bloody coaching, something like that, you know? It's funny, because the reason why I laugh is actually, I opened my Instagram, I saw a message last night. We sold, I don't even do this. I was just messing around with our email list, just to try and sell stuff and see what happened. We sold, we used to sell, I started my fitness business, short story, um, with an eight-week transformation program. We crushed it. We were getting like a thousand people on every eight weeks. This was like four or five years ago. Completely opposite of what I would tell anyone to do now in hindsight, like don't do that. Yeah. Um, and then long story short, I sold someone for like 10K for fitness programs. Like, yeah, I'm definitely not doing that anymore. And uh, we sold, we, we resold that program on our email list. We call it our Voldemort offer that we don't tell anyone. We keep it like behind closed doors because yeah. we don't sell, like down sell our main fitness program. And uh, we, we had a load of people sign up for it from emails. So it's like, it's free money for email, so that's cool. A guy had messaged me on our Instagram and like complained there's not enough one-to-one support. I'm like, this is exactly why we don't do this fucking program. Because it's literally, like, it was like fucking paid. I was like, dude, like, it's £47 a month. It's like, what the fuck do you want? What do you expect yeah. for that price, man? Um, yeah. The actual long story short, which is true, is we actually got that guy on a call and now sold a more expensive program and upsold him. But it's also why that, in my opinion, people who pay the least are the biggest problem and you just need less clients who pay you more and you've got more successful business and a better lifestyle. Well, without a doubt, man, without a doubt. That's one thing that we found as well. So when we moved from the webinar, we used to sell a $2,000 product. And then we moved to um, a sales call funnel instead with a, with a high ticket. I think it was three and a half grand. And then every four or five months, we would nudge it up by a thousand. You know, so three and a half, four or five months, four and a half, four or five months, blah, 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 and, and on and on. And every time we nudged it forwards... Support tickets will go down because we tracked it. You know, we know how, how many hours we pay the support people for. Their, uh, uh, their uh, invoices will go down. Support tickets will go down. Refunds will go down. Chargebacks will go down. And the, the cash collector will go up. Simple as that. And for the first few changes, we did see close rate come down eventually. But for the first few changes, nothing changed. Close rate didn't change. We just made more money with less costs and less support and less bullshit, you know. What um, software do you were you using running the, the business? You mentioned like tracking metrics like that. We just use manual spreadsheets. It probably sounds very unprofessional, but stuff. yeah, just Google Docs with all the, I mean, I, I've, to, to this day, I use the Sam Ovens, uh ad tracking spreadsheet. So big up Sam for that, great, great sheet. And it just, I've spent so many, I've spent probably so many hours looking at that sheet. I just can see what's wrong and to fix it. So. The data never lies, in my opinion, right? De- yeah, I mean, 
it's so important, man. Like when, when people come to me, some clients join me and they've got a great business and everything's right, but they're not tracking. So they don't know what's wrong. And then I'll just say to them, right, go and build the data. I did this with a, a guy that I'm working with at the moment. I said, just fill out the tracking sheet and give me the fucking tracking sheet. And I was like, that's wrong. That's the problem right there. You know, you're just not converting properly on, on the upsell. And you fix that and just bang, you're profitable straight away. And it's all, you know, but again, they don't know what they don't know. I, I do. You probably do as well. They just don't yet. And that's what they're paying for is the knowledge that they don't have, you know? And that's why all my favorite, this is why businesses, it's even more fun. Like you see why I explain it excited about The bigger people's businesses get, it's like, yeah, just change that, change that. And it's like, and the business three X's because you told them to do two things. It's so easy at that point. It's wild. Bro, yeah, 100%. Man, I had this client join me about um, two weeks ago. This guy, Swedish guy, Magnus. And uh, he bought the program, pretty expensive program. After about two, two about 14 days, he, he came on a call. And um, he'd done one thing and made 122 grand. He just copied this email thing that, that we do and just sent out a few emails across two days, 122 grand in sales with this offer that I'd shown him how to build. And he was like... Yeah, I'm, I'm done now, man. You know, I, you've, I, that's more than I could have ever asked for. So I don't really need any more help for now. And I was just like, just one thing, one change that just, that, you know, there's just one video. There's probably someone watching this right now that just doesn't know one thing that if they knew it, they'd be like 100 grand there, 200 grand there in a month from, from now, in two weeks from now. But they just don't know it yet. It's amazing, man. Like this, this is probably, I think this is why I'm so obsessed with learning because I'm scared of what I don't know. You know? I don't know if you find this. I've, people who know me know I'm notorious for implementing like insanely fast. Like I'm in the first mastermind I joined, people thought I was like autistic because like, I get told to do something, I've done it the next day and I'd be like, what do I do now? And they're like, what, what, what is wrong with this kid? Like, yeah. he's like fucking awful, awful one. Um, and for me, it always felt like when I find out, found out something that I should know that I didn't know and it's like, if I'd done that last three months, I made a load of money. I was like, I lost all this money. I need to do this right now. Like, I'm not going to sleep until this is done. Oh, God. Uh, dude, 100%. I could tell you some bloody stories about that. But yeah, I'm the same. I mean, our calendar broke a couple of days ago. And I just realized at like 7 p.m. that it had broken. And my girlfriend was making dinner. I was like, you know, I said, look. Just in the most respectful way, do not talk to me. Forget dinner for now. I'm closing the door. I'm, I've just, I've, it's really important. Just do not talk to me. And I couldn't, I was like, I just couldn't rest until it was done. You know, and I just know that there's people out there that would be like, it's all right. We'll fix it tomorrow. We'll fix it the next day. But when there's work to be done, I just can't rest, man. I can't, I can't sleep. I can't, I've just got, it's just got to be done. How do you organize your time now? Because you're in a different position than you were, obviously, like two, three years ago, and you've got a different schedule. Do you try and block your time in for like a lot more of learning now? Yeah, it's probably the most organised now than it's ever been, because with, I mean, usually my day right now, I will get up at eight, and I go for a walk for an hour, and on the walk I just check my Instagram messages, check my emails, get that shit done, whilst having a bit of a refreshing walk, come home have breakfast with, with my girlfriend. I do sales calls. I do an 11, a 12, and a one. And then my reps take over from there. One to seven, I do the one-to-one -one coaching stuff with, with clients. Uh, not every day, but, but most days I'll do that. And then at seven, I'm done for the day. 
and then I'll just either go for dinner with buddies or have a cigar on the balcony or have dinner and then learn, read, you know, watch some stuff on YouTube or whatever most of the days. And I take Sunday off and I take Tuesday off and just mess around on those days and do, do whatever I want to do. So it's the most organised that it's ever been. But that's more due to, because the YouTube's been growing so fast, I've had to be a bit more routine to stay on top of it because it's just grown too fast, you know, like in a way that I just wasn't prepared for. So I'm kind of dealing with that mess now. You know, it's a great thing, but, but it's difficult. It's a first world problem, right? Too first many world problem. Yeah, yeah. Too many leads, too much money, man. Yeah. I think also that's an, uh, an example of messy action, right? Because you didn't go into making the videos thinking like this is going to happen. I think too many people go thinking that something's going to be the golden ticket and it's not. And then they, they post one video and they stop. And it's like a consistency needs to be done after a period of time and I don't imagine it was the first four videos that then fucking skyrocketed right it wasn't mate yeah so the first 10 12 videos did shit got like one two thousand views and I kind of thought I mean I, I was just waiting for something to happen and then I made this video uh, a few weeks ago I can't remember when I think it was the how I'd make 10k per month if I had to start again video and obviously back then I was I only had maybe 12 clients or something. So coaching was super, barely any time. And I had my sales calendar fully enabled for seven days out, 12 hours a day, because I was only getting a few calls a week, you know? And then I woke up the next morning and I had 12 calls a day booked out for about four days. I was like, oh fuck, this ain't good. You know, my first reaction was, oh shit, this is no good. What the fuck am I gonna do now? So Who's then, taking all these calls? Yeah, so dude, for, when that happened, I, was, I, I swear to God, I took calls between the few one-to-one coaching calls, I was on sales calls, uh, 11 to 10, seven days a week for about, for about two weeks. Um, and I was just going fucking ham. Then it got so bad that I had to hire a rep. I was like, I'm going to die. If I keep doing this, I'm going to collapse, you know? So I hired a rep and then I started just doing the first few and then he would take over and do the rest. And we stopped doing Sundays and moved to six days instead of seven. Then things calmed down. And then the same thing happened again a few days ago. I uploaded this other video that's gone crazy. Exact same thing happened again. I woke up the next morning and we were booked out. It's like a whatever day, a Monday. And we were booked out till next Wednesday, 12 calls a day till fucking Wednesday. And again, we were like, oh, fuck. You know, it's good, but it's, yeah, but it's, it's, it's I can't complain. Yeah, it's a, a problem probably many people listening to this will be wishing to have. Yeah. And um, one of the things you mentioned a couple of times, which not many entrepreneurs uh, maybe even have or talk about a lot. It's like you have a girlfriend, you have a partner. How do you manage that around being an entrepreneur in a business and business owner? Because that's a big thing a lot of people struggle with. Oh God, I've got to be very careful with my answer here, man, because I don't want to piss people off, but uh, I've got a bit of a... Well, here's the thing, man. Like, I believed, rightly or wrongly, that a relationship would be distracting. So I broke up with my last girlfriend just before the business started blowing up. And then the business started blowing up. And I, I consciously thought, because it, it takes a lot of time to have a girlfriend. Or it's God, focus, it's distraction, right? Yeah, I mean, a girlfriend's Posh, hard enough. sounds. Absolutely. I think a girlfriend's hard enough. I can't imagine having a wife and kids. I mean, for me, I just can't imagine building a business and having that as well. Because that having a wife and kids is almost a business. It's a big important thing 
But I consciously decided back then, I'm like, right, I am not going to have a girlfriend. I'll date girls and stuff, but I'm not going to have a proper relationship until my dream life is built. And I didn't get with Lauren and let her in as a, as a proper girlfriend until my dream life was pretty much built. Uh, because I wanted to get that done, that foundation there, before I then do something significant like have a proper relationship. So I personally believe it is hard to have a girlfriend or a wife and kids and go all in and build something massive and great just because of the focus, just logically speaking, you've only got so much focus. And if you've got a girlfriend or a wife and kids, that takes some of it away. You've now got less to build and grow your business with, fact, right? I hope that doesn't upset any people. And I'm sure there's people with girlfriends and wives and kids and stuff that are trying to build businesses and it can be done, no problem, you know? But you, it's gonna take longer and it's gonna be harder. And I didn't want that. So I purposely didn't do that. Now things are easier, you know, I mean, um, my girlfriend knows that she comes second to my uh, mission, you know, and the, what I want to build in life and my, my, my passion above all else is the business and, and building and, and growing and, and that kind of thing. And she's a close second, but she's second and she knows it. So, you know, if I'm working, she will just leave me alone. She knows not to talk to me, not to disrupt me. And if I say, I've got to watch this CEO interview that just came out, she'll be like, no problem, no problem. She knows it's important. So I think if you are going to have a relationship, just be honest with them. And if, if this is truly important to you, then fucking tell them and be honest, you know. And if it's not, if your business is not that important, well, that's okay, you know, and put them first. But yeah, I don't know whether that answers the question. I went no, on. I, 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 I agree completely. And I think that... Um and it's as harsh as it sounds. The guy who hasn't got a partner and is like, like you were, like fucking just watch work all day, watch business shit, drink a bit, eat some takeaway, and then repeat for fucking a year. Yeah. Like you got nothing else to fucking attract. And I actually quite like Alex Becker. You used to post videos and he had like an apartment with nothing in it. And so I got nothing else to do other than fucking sit at this desk because like, yeah. what, what else am I going to do, right? And uh, sometimes I think it's like maybe I should get rid of fucking everything in my apartment. I'll just have a desk in my fucking like computer and I'll just off you go. Yeah. Um, not that I can think everyone should maybe do that, but I think. Um, there should be phases in life where you work and focus super intensely on things and those super intense periods tend to get the best results. Yeah, you know what? You make a good point there. It's, it's about seasons. Mm. You know, like there is a working very hard and nothing else season. There is a, right, let's build a relationship now season. There's a, let's get married and have kids season. There's a, I want to prepare my business for sale and exit now. Let me do that season. You know, there's a, investing your wealth season so you you kind of you've got to move between them but move between them consciously and prioritize you know what so one of the big things that i'm more aware of now is that people don't have a time issue they have a focus issue what do you do in terms of try to be more focused so like i don't know when you're working you're like 100 percent all in that when you're with your partner you're 100 percent all in with that do you have anything you try and do from a mindset perspective or on a day-to-day -to, -day to set yourself up for that yeah, well, the opposite of focus is distraction. So if you're not focused, you're distracted. And if you're not distracted, you're focused, I believe. So if you want to be focused, you just remove distractions. And that was kind of what I was talking about. But I, I won't say that again. Let's use the Alex Becker example. So when he wanted to focus, what did he do? He removed all distractions. He got 
He didn't have a girlfriend or a wife or kids. He didn't even have furniture. He didn't really go out. He didn't drink, you know, he didn't... His diet was simple as, as a diet can be. I think everything was delivered, he just ate it and that was it. Yeah, so there were no distractions and therefore all he could be is focused. So if you want to go slower and damage your progress, just add more shit into your life, you know? <laughs> and so if, true. And if you want to go further and faster and make more money and do better, just remove shit from your life. <laughs> It's a, and this is why I say to a lot of people, a business is a game of simplification or multiplication. Yeah. And that's why one of the biggest things I think I've learned is like trying to do less in our business, but do it better. So it's like, yeah, cool, we can go do this, but like, let's definitely not do that. And the amount of times like I find the bigger the business gets, the more money you have, the more team members you have. But like, we can do all these different things. It, it never works really very well when you try and do that. Very true. Very true. Yeah. We have systems, automations, too many staff, too many meetings. It can cause more damage than good sometimes. It just goes back to like what we talked about earlier, the unit economics of, of the numbers. You know, you can do loads of customers and loads of complexity and shit and make 10 grand, or you can close one client and make 10 grand. And it's just faster and easier and smoother. And, you know, it's, it's a bit different system. You've got to engineer it differently. But yeah, it's, you've just got to. I guess you've got to know what you even want as well. I mean, a lot of people don't really know what they want. Like whenever I do sales calls with people, I always ask them like, what is it, what, what is your goal? Do you want 10K a month, 50K a month? Do you want to build it to sell? Do you never want to sell it? Is it a cash flow thing? Is it an investment thing? Is it a, a passion thing? You know, what's the, what's the goal kind of thing? And then you work backwards from, 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 from what you want. And then you can actually get there faster anyway, so. You have a lot of money, you've achieved a lot of success. What do you think is a thing that really drives you and still continues to drive you? The thing that's driving me right now is, it's kind of two things. Number one is opportunity. Because I know that I've got, I don't need any more money now, right? And if I never made money again, I would be able to live forever now, which is a great thing. It's a great, great, great thing to be able to say. So now, it's, it's, it's weird. I think one of my mentors once said, when you no longer need money, you'll make more money than you've ever made in your life. And when you d need money, you'll find it extremely hard to make. Now, when I get on a sales call now, I truly do not give a fuck if they buy. Right, I had a, a call this morning with a great guy, and I hope that they buy, because I want to help them, you know. But I've always got that thought in my head, like, I, and sometimes I don't, and I have to remind myself, like, just help people. And I said to my, my rep, uh, one of my reps this morning, we were talking about today, and he was, oh, I'm looking forward to the calls today. And I literally said to him, dude, just have fun. If you have fun, it's going to be a great day. Just enjoy it. That's what it's about. Have fun. People will close. We've got a good offer, you know, blah, 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 blah. So what's driving me now is just having fun and just... I, the most intoxicating feeling that I get is when people come into the program, like the Magnus guy, they crush it, they love it, and they respect you so much, you know, and they're like, dude, thank you so much, man. You've changed the game. This is exactly what I wanted. I'm so happy that I invested in you and the program is awesome. And it's the best feeling in the fucking world, 
you know, and I just want that feeling more and, and more from getting more clients, doing the mastermind, doing these podcasts. It's, it's just awesome. So fun, fulfillment. It sounds kind of cheesy, but, but that's what really drives me. And the money's just nice. You know? What do you think was the, the initial drive at the beginning? Just not to be broke? Oh, yeah. yeah. Com- completely opposite to now. I mean, back then I was scared of money, had no money, felt like a loser, felt like a failure couldn't afford anything, was stuck at home in my parents' fucking house listening to Coronation Street, my mum. <laughs> and I was like, fuck my life, man, you know. Uh, what would you say to people who are in that position right now and listen to fucking Coronation Street with their <laughs> I can still hear it, it's just mad, I'll never forget that. shitty beginning music at the start, right? My fucking dad, and this boy, watching Top Gear downstairs and speaking to my mum, I'm like, I'm trying to fucking focus. Yeah. Uh, good memories, man. You just, just do the work. You know, just get the knowledge that you need. What, understand what do you want to build? What, where are you going? If it's just to make photos of money, that's okay, man. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, because we, we don't want to make good money and, and be free and stuff like that. So there's nothing wrong with that. You know, if you just want to make your first million, get rich, buy a nice house, buy a nice car, do your thing, man. Have fun. And, and that's, I, I fully respect that. Just work hard, not stop on the right things to just solve every bottleneck as it comes. And when you get stuck, don't waste your time. Don't stay bloody stuck and, and certainly don't give up. Just find someone who's further ahead of, of you and just pay for their time, pay for their mastermind, pay for their program, learn from them and just, just keep doing that and you'll grow so fast. Take action and keep learning. That's what I'd say. What's are you doing now? It's continue growing and learning at the stage you're at. Uh, well, learning and reading books. I'm just I just joined the new mastermind to get better at copywriting, which is which is going to be fun. To keep growing, well, one thing that I love, one of my favourite things to do is to make videos. So, I love making videos for, for YouTube, and then thankfully that gets me sales calls, and the sales calls get to be clients, and the clients get to be fun and fulfillment and money. So, yeah, that's, that's it. I'm just going to keep doing whatever I want to do. And if I don't like it, then I'll fucking stop doing it and just move to Thailand or Bali and sit on the beach and chill. It's three cocktails for us. <laughs> Man, I'll probably get bored very quickly, but yeah, the book, the book is the next stage for me, you know, so I can't wait to get the book. Do you want to go something cool? How to 10 million. Okay. So for anyone who's listening to this, this probably just go into it for the next hundred years. Which actually, I think it's one of the best things about, about, about like long-form content is that it's more because this will both be dead and people still be listening to this, which is quite a cool thing. Um, what is the one thing you want to leave behind as a legacy to fill, up, fill the shuttle on? I want my kids to revere me. I want my kids to talk about me to their friends and I want their... I want people to know me and respect me, you know, and I want my kids to be like, my granddad built this massive business and, you know, he's one of the wealthiest people and he's been able to give us this great life and, you know, my girlfriend looks at me with so much respect sometimes, you know, just the way she treats me, it's just obvious that she looks up to me and she says like, I, she says sometimes, you know, I look up to you, I respect you, I love what you do, I'm so happy to be with you and stuff. I just love the respect of building great things and then having that revere and respect from other people. 
you know, and I just want to build great special things that people love and respect. And I just, I just love that feeling, man. So yeah, my legacy, I just want to be known as a high integrity, hardworking, very successful entrepreneur that's built some great stuff, so. Absolutely. You're well on the way, so I no doubt you can feel that. Where's the space for you trying to worry about you? YouTube, William Brown, Instagram, William Brown, uh, website, williambrown.com, with a dash between the, uh, the A and the N, stupidly. Well, you don't have to work your way around that one. Um, or my new company, build, grow, and exit.com. Thank you very much for your time. For everyone who enjoyed the podcast, make sure you subscribe, share, and leave this review. And you also look and scale with us to be a huge milestone event, the 9th to 10th February in Dubai. So, if you guys come to that, top to explode to buy one of those. Absolutely, thanks for Chris.